Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Mississippi Queen If you know what I mean Mississippi Queen She taught me everything Yeah That was by a band called Mountain Because today we're doing the Commander Summit You know what's at the top of a mountain? The Summit The Summit And that's where we are at today Commander Summit Part 2 Part 1 was a quite the episode A lot of amazing questions Answered by amazing people Around the Commander community And we're back at it You're watching Slash listening to the Command Zone Podcast I'm your host Jimmy Wong How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai That's right We've got all of our Commander luminaries Back And ready to comment On some More hot button issues yes. We're talking about The hybrid mana rules. Oh, boy. We're talking about bans and unbans, cards Mm. that people think should be removed from the format or brought back in. And then we've got kind of a catch-all category at the end, which is what rule changes or rules additions would uh, folks like to see? That's a very interesting conversation, too. Yeah, and there's some really great answers, actually, where I'm like, that's actually a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So we've got content creators. We've got members of the Commander Advisory Group. We have members of the actual... Commander Rules Committee. Rules Committee weighing in. But before we get into all of that, we got to point you towards our sponsors. As always, cardkingdom.com <laughs> slash command zone. That's our affiliate link. You hear us mention it every single episode. And that's because you're magic players and you're going to buy magic cards, singles, sealed products. And you're going to do that anyway. So you might as well use the affiliate link While you do it, because just as added gravy thrown in, you get to support this podcast, Mm -hmm. Game Night's Extra Turns, and all of our content. We really do appreciate it. Yep, and the second sponsor for the show, of course, is Ultra Pro. How do you protect your cards? Those cards that may be unbanned soon. Who knows? (laughs) Because Because of of our podcast. (laughs) Put them into some awesome sleeves. They have deck boxes. They got dice, relic tokens. They have everything that covers the Magic Player's spectrum of needs, and so you too can have that covered. So you buy Ultra Pro next time you go to a big box retailer or your local game store. And the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. In fact, episodes like this are really brought to you in big part because of the Patreon. They allow us yeah. to do things like have a team of editors that's going to put together all of these clips and make shows like this possible. Yep. So we like to call out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to Eric, Eric Threadgold. Threadgold. 
Eric, you rock. What a cool name. All right, so this is part two of the Commander Summit, yes. which means if somehow you missed part one, I mean, honestly, you can listen to this and then go back and listen to part one because yes. they're not interrelated exactly. But we would recommend if you like this episode or you like this subject, you know, watch both. Yeah, and we tried to cover as many different content creators across both these episodes as well. So you may be seeing some new ones in this one that you didn't see in the last one and vice versa. And of course, we reached out to as many people as we could, uh, but this episode took a lot of time to put together. Some people didn't get their answers in on time. Also, we didn't require that everyone answer every question. So if you don't see your face in here, we would love to hear you continue the discussion on Twitter on our YouTube comments, in our Discord, where you can talk directly to Josh and myself, and we'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah, and definitely if you want to get in on the next Commander Summit and you're a content creator or someone in the EDH sphere, sphere that we maybe didn't contact or don't know about, we apologize, first of all, and second of all, you know, if we don't know about you, you can rectify that situation pretty easily by yeah. just interacting with us on Twitter, in the comments, and things like that. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's go into our first hot-button topic. It is... Hybrid mana. Mm, so, so the little mana symbols on cards that have sort of two choices, right? So mm -hmm. like the new Hogak has a hybrid Golgari, which means that it's five and then hybrid Golgari, hybrid Golgari, which means that for those extra two mana, you can choose to either pay green or black for either of them. So, right. so you can go five green, green, five black, black, or five Green, Green black. black. Hogak maybe not the best. <laughs> well, you're still paying for the example, mana cost because in a of way. the Delvin Convoke, but it, it, yeah, yeah. Ignore that part of it. Yeah. So hybrid mana in most of magic means either or you mm -hmm. can you can pay either green or black and there's been a long standing discussion about whether or not you should allow for instance hogak could he be in a mono green deck because he does technically have green and his mana cost and you can only choose to pay green for it. Or does that not work because it's breaking the rules of what Commander is? Yeah, right now, hybrid mana in Commander means both. It doesn't mean either or. Mm -hmm. So if you have Hogak right now, you can't put it in a mono green deck or a mono black deck. You have to put it into a deck that has black and green. In and fact, you couldn't even both. put it in a teamer deck, right? Because right. that doesn't have black either. So... This is a contentious subject that's been debated over the years, and we're going to get some some looks at what some people, of course, some commander luminaries think about it. But what did we? What was the overall? Well, the question I should say is, should we change the hybrid mana rule over to either or rather than both? Yes. So we. 26 people answered this, uh, 26 groups, and it was mostly a resounding no, 23 out of 26. So it wasn't... Uh, now, on other questions, we actually had up to 34, 36, 37 people answering. So it's interesting that some people didn't actually have either an opinion one way or the other. So maybe this is something that's a little... The, the data says 23 out of 26 said no, but maybe it's a little more nebulous than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it could be that this is one that people aren't super passionate about. But they're like, eh, it's fine. Yeah, right. It's, I don't see anything wrong with it, and I don't feel the need to justify to say yes to it. Right. Or even to say no to it. Well, let's uh, let's hear first of all from one of the biggest commander dignitaries of them all, a member of the rules committee. Uh, Toby Elliott is back, and, and let's get his perspective. Hi, this is Toby Elliott of the Commander Rules Committee. The question I've been asked is, what do I think of the current hybrid mono rules? Do they need to change? Uh, the answer is no. Um, when you actually dig into the hybrid mono rules, you realize they're not a gameplay rule. Hybrid Mono works exactly the same way in games of Commander as it does in other games of Magic. They, If you play a creature, you can play it with either side of the Hybrid Mana. If you steal somebody else's creature, you can generate Mana outside your Commander's colors in order to play the activated ability. 
So what hybrid mana really is in this context is it's a deck building restriction. And when you look at it as a deck building restriction, it becomes much clearer that that is the appropriate way for hybrid mana to be. It's much more aesthetically flavorful. Um, it is easier to explain by saying you can look at the colors, the mana symbols on your general and make sure that no other mana symbols appear on your cards. And it's a way to cut down on the size of the card pool, in, which is always an issue with a vintage size format, because there's already so many cards that you run the risk of decks homogenizing a little bit. And this is a little additional way of providing restrictions for the format. Hello, fellow Commander aficionados. My name is Ryan, and my colleagues and I run the YouTube channel Playing With Power MTG. So, what do you think of the current hybrid mana rules? Should they change or remain the same? This one was tough for our playgroup to decide. On the one hand, weaker colors that need help, such as red or white, would suddenly get a really great pool of cards available to them. Having Vexing Shusher in my mono red deck would be a really great advantage in a table full of blue control players. As we dug in deeper to the implications, however, we discovered that this would actually turn out to be pretty confusing for players. A great example of that confusion is Deathrite Shaman. Its mana cost is hybrid mana, but its activated abilities are not. So where would that lie? How would you explain that? Vexing Shusher is okay because all the symbols are hybrid, but Deathrite is not because only some of them are. That ends up being a pretty confusing explanation to give to players. We don't feel that the benefits outweigh the downsides at this time, so our recommendation is to keep it as it is for now. All right, there are some great points made there. Toby Elliott, as we said this last episode, he's on the rules committee. He spent a lot of time thinking about this sort of stuff. Has very well articulated reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true, we do have a giant card pool to play with here. It's essentially a vintage format, and it's a deck-building restriction. And I think, again, we've, we've stressed this a lot. That's sort of the beauty of what Commander is, is being able to come up with something creatively in your restricted colors and making that work with your cards. Yeah, um, I like what the playing with power people said too. There is some confusion that could be caused if you change the rule and you have to think as always about the ripple effects of doing something yeah. like this. Yeah. yeah. It's it I mean, I don't feel super strongly personally either way. I do mm -hmm. I do think it's fine as it is. I don't think this would like wreck the format in either direction because we're talking about a handful of cards. So I might have been more in line with the people who didn't answer than anything. Yeah. If you put a gun to my head, I would say, let's keep it the same. But Let's hope no one does that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing that I think is interesting, though, is that seeing Wizards' pattern that they've had is that they are really trying to bolster red and white, and they're yeah. doing a lot of that. So al almost making hybrid cards illegal almost like stops the progress of what they're doing there because now all of a sudden you're granting red extra cards instead of ones that are flavorfully and correctly within the color pie of mono red, let's say, which I think is going to be the most common example people give because, again, it's the color that needs the most help mm -hmm. but does that mean that you're giving red something that they really need but you're also bolstering you're bolstering every other color at the same time as you're doing that and then you start thinking about cards that have red and white and maybe it's a black casting card and it has red and white in the text box and it's like wait is that considered like a hybrid mana s kind of and there's a lot of different things there and i agree if it makes it hard to explain to a new player eh, not in for that yeah, well, of course there are many many different sides to this and um there's also more than just on the surface of the question of hybrid man. It also sort of reverberates into like what the spirit of the format is and things like that. Yeah. We had a lot of really great answers on that one as well, including one from our very favorite, and of course your favorite as well, the professor. 
What do I think of the current hybrid mana rules? Change or remain the same? Well, I'm afraid that as far as hybrid mana is concerned, I am still going to be a stickler for the rules as they were written. I understand that people want to open things up and to allow for more cards and more possibilities, but I actually think that isn't good for Commander. I know, it sounds kind of crazy. Like, more possibilities, more brewing options, isn't this great? No. What's great about Commander is forcing things to work, figuring out ways to make cards work with these restrictions of color. Why not get rid of color identity completely? Why not allow any card as commander? Because that wouldn't be the same format. Again, maybe it would be a lot of fun. I like 100-card singleton formats that don't have a commander, that don't have color identity. Check out Canadian Highlander or Australian Highlander. I think they're awesome formats, but they're also not Commander. And in Commander, color identity and the hybrid mana rules as it has always been within color identity and the conformity of decks, it's what we work with and work through to get those really feel-good results as a brewer. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Gavin Duggan. I'm a member of the Rules Committee for Commander. Uh, on the subject of hybrid mana, so let's be fair, this one could go either way. Hybrid was originally designed mechanically as something which could be used with only red or only green mana, uh, but thematically, the cards are all still fit into the both categories. So they were never designed, the mechanic was not designed with color identity in mind. So then the question is, how should it be interpreted in that commander context? We have to make the decision that is best for uh, the format and the goals of the format are try and increase variety and diversity of games. Given that, most of the cards that are hybrid mana costed either are unplayable in Commander or the kind of cards that you'd probably want to use as a staple in lots and lots of decks. So allowing it would decrease diversity, not increase diversity, uh, by increasing the number of staples that or must-plays uh, that if you're trying to optimize your deck build that you would need to use. So on the basis of that, and on the basis of uh, the, the sort of Vorthos flavor theme, we decided that we would come down on uh, the side of hybrid only being allowed in decks which have both colors in their identity. And I don't think it's done any significant damage to the, uh, to the format. So there at the end, Gavin Duggan is another member of the rules committee that mm -hmm. we're hearing from. And uh, I liked that he at the very at the very start said, like, this could go either way. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of a nod to that idea that like it's not like a strong preference. I think right. from most people, you have to come down on a side, you know, the format has to have a rule regarding hybrid man rules. Um, but it feels like nobody is super ardent about it. Yeah, and this actually reminds me of a thing that Amaz brought up when we talked about Hearthstone and the fact that they have this core set and and, and it's applied to everything. So if you're going to build a deck that is this class, you just have to have these X number of cards right. in it. And what Gavin hinted at there is like, it's right, if you were playing a mono red deck, there are going to be a few hybrid mana costs that are just kind of like the, yep, you got to put them in no matter what. And does that take away, again, like from what the prof hinted at, does that take away from making more diverse decks? Because now all of a sudden you're limiting yourself to two less card slots that could have been maybe something a little different or a little more flavorful or whatever it is. So yeah, really interesting arguments there. 
Yeah, mono red just keeps, I think, being the main reason that high red mana and mono white keep being the main reason that that this conversation keeps getting brought up. So let's hear from some new friends about who the real winner of this is all, and and, and whether or not, most importantly, is it worth it? Because I think that's the main thing that keeps coming up, right? Is it worth it? I don't know. So let's hear from Joey, Matt, and Dana. Good afternoon, good evening, and good game, Commander players. I'm Joey. I'm Matt. And I'm Dana. And we're here from the EDH RecCast, where we like to give all that data on EDH Rec a little more context. Our question here, what do you think of the current hybrid mana rules? Should they change or remain the same? I think they're fine the way they are. They aren't really preventing too many strategies or specific cards outside of a small handful that really do something unique within any of the colors. See, I actually disagree. I would change the hybrid rules. It feels to me a bit like the old Rule 4, which restricted making mana outside of a commander's color identity. It's flavorful, but these cards are functionally different from a regular multicolored card. They're either or, not both and. In any other format, a mono-white deck can run waves of aggression, but not in commander. It doesn't feel like a color pie problem so much as an aesthetic one, so I'd probably be comfortable changing that. Uh, Commander color identity is such a big portion of the game though it's so unique to commander in a way that it isn't in any other format and bending the rule kind of takes away from this really unique thing i also think by and large it's only serving to add powerful cards to decks and that isn't necessarily a bad thing but i don't know if it's worth the trade-off of sacrificing this unique part of the game just so mono white could play a position or mono red could run besiege the queen and and that's also really fair. The Beseech the Queen example with the colorless hybrid, like that can be played in a monocolor deck outside of black as the current rules. Like that's that I got that. That's a messy door to open. And technically in other formats, a mono white deck could play Beseech the Queen or Westvale Abbey or Wear and Tear, but here they do look weird. I'm not personally bothered by the aesthetics, which is why I'd be fine changing it, but that's only me who'd be okay opening the door. I get why the rules committee wants to hold that door. Did you really just make a Game of Thrones reference? I absolutely did, yes. What do we say to changing the hybrid mana rule, Jimmy? <laughs> Not today. <laughs> are, you, are you sure? Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Wow, that was very on theme. Yeah, really great points by the ADH rec people. And yeah, that's right. I, I completely didn't even think about Beseech the Queen. It is colorless hybrid. So it's you can either play 2-2-2 two, 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 or black-black-black or 2-black-black. Black, so two, Beseech two, black. can just be played in any deck if you make that yeah, rule change. It wouldn't yeah. be great, but, like, yeah. but that, yeah, it does kind of make this kind of messy situation. So so I agree, not today. And maybe because just the sheer fact that there isn't enough pressure saying that, yeah, we should do it, means that it's not significant enough of an issue that we even need to think about it in this way. I think a lot of different people kind of express this idea too that mostly you would just be seeing a few cards get played in more decks. Yeah. That's pro the most probable outcome of making this change. Is that something we really want? Mm -hmm. It's not like you open up this door and a whole bunch of cards that aren't getting played now suddenly do get played. Yeah. It's just like a bunch of cards that are getting played now in these decks now slide over and get played in twice as many decks or four times as many decks. You mm -hmm. know, Deathrite Shaman all of a sudden goes... position, all yeah. of them. Deathrite's yeah. not a great one because of the activated abilities. Yeah. And, you know, the, somebody else pointed out the problems with that, but you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it's interesting. Um, clearly from the rules committee, people that we heard from in this, it's not changing anytime soon, yeah, but no. it's definitely not a conversation that's going to go away anytime soon either. It's a good thought experiment. And yeah. that's why I like about a lot of these questions is that thought experiments are healthy for the formats that you're in and that they force you to ask yourself hard questions and to throw the paper at yourself. <laughs>
Hey everyone, sorry for the quick interruption, but just to let you know, this upcoming segment about bands and unbands was actually recorded before we knew about the unbands and bands that came earlier this week, which banned Iona and Paradox Engine and unbanned Painter Servant. Yeah, but it's still a really interesting discussion to hear because you can kind of see if the Rules Committee's decision lines up with what other people in the community were thinking as far as what cards should be legal and not. All so, right. yeah, let's go into it. Okay, so, Ooh, so now we're going to yeah, we're gonna move into probably the most spicy of all of our topics. Yeah. It is the always controversial topic of bans and unbans. What cards would people want to see pushed onto the ban list and or what cards would people want to see brought off the ban list and made legal again in the format? And we've done something interesting. Ashlyn uh, Rose helped us put this together and she thought it would be fun for us to not know. You, you notice in all the other categories yeah. we've been like, oh, 23 of 26 people said this. Well, for bans and unbans, we don't know what people called for banning and unbanning wise. So we have an Oscar style <laughs> Price Waterhouse Cooper. <laughs> Price Waterhouse Cooper. <laughs> That's not true. Cooper's Nobody... the guy that writes the check. <laughs> Isn't that what they're called? Yeah. yeah. I think it's like Cooper House Price Water. I don't know. It's a combination of words. But yes, it's an expertly of made envelope but... that has the top three bands and unbans. So we don't know what's in this envelope and we're going to try and guess what the top top three? Yeah. Okay. That's a lot of cards. That's six cards. That's more than I usually have in my hand. <laughs> okay. So for let's go through bands first. We're gonna try okay. and predict. Um, uh, I think Cyclonic Rift is probably top. Yeah, I would say Cyclonic Rift is probably the one that people are the most cognizant of, mm -hmm. isn't it? Gets played the most and most talked about in the way that Prophet of Crufix was on that like conversation level quite often as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that one for sure. I would also argue that Soul Ring might be up there. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of cards that a lot of people are going to coalesce around. Mm -hmm. So Soul Ring could be on that list by virtue of like four people said it, yeah. just because it's the type of card. I think a lot of people could say Cyclonic Rift, like half of the respondents could say that. Right. Whereas Soul Ring would, yeah, that makes sense. Third is tough. I can't. Uh, yeah, I mean. Could be like Paradox Engine. It could even be something like Gaia's Cradle, right? Yeah. If you can't have Telerian Academy, then why are we allowed Gaia's Cradle? If people are saying Soul Ring, would it be Mana Crypt? Right, right. I mean, Mana Crypt technically is stronger. Yeah. Right? So would if, you, you, if you think you're gonna get, you should get rid of one. Why not the other one? Yeah. I mean, in days of yore, we would say things like Iona. Maybe that's just a card people hate to play against. It's not. Yep. It's not like broken, powerful necessarily. It's just no fun. It's against maybe the spirit of the game in that in that way. Um, but it's also a very expensive card. You'd have to reanimate it for the most part, or find a way to get it cheated out onto the battlefield. Dead Eye Navigator was one that for a long time. Yeah, you, that that chatter's died down. People don't complain about it as much anymore. I think people have figured out that you just have to have pinpoint removal for it, and you can get around it in some ways. But I would pro Psychonic Rift has to be the most common one. And then past that, who knows? Maybe I agree. Maybe Soul Ring's probably split. among the next two, but the third one, I can't even guess at. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Unbans. What do you think? I think, uh, so in the same vein as Guy's Cradle, maybe it should be banned. Maybe it's Telerian Academy should be unbanned. Oh, interesting. Because um, I now we have Sarah's Sanctum as well. We have two functional Guy's Cradles in the format with yeah. uh, Lamak. Um yeah, that, that, that's something that pops up to mind for me. I would say Gifts Ungiven is the most likely for me. I think yeah. when we uh, sort of at the Commander Advisory Group kind of looked at the ban list, that was one that a lot of people I know were like, eh, there's a lot of stuff that's on the power level of mm -hmm. Gifts Ungiven. I, I mean, I don't personally like Tudor-style stuff, but in general, as far as just power level, it's 
is demonic tutor it's more powerful than gifts ungiven demonic tutor is like i mean like in terms of like this is a legal tutor and this one isn't yeah it's yeah i don't know like they're close right yeah i mean both have a lot of upside and both like one's cheaper one one is able to put stuff in different places yeah one just gets you the card the other one yeah obviously when you play gifts ungiven you you normally give them no choice at all like it doesn't matter what you do right Uh, i'm going to win off of this or something if you give me the card any two combination in graveyard in hand is going to create a situation that's advantageous for me. But yeah. still, you don't have to play it that way. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, I mean, you, I could, mean, you could argue that Demonic Tutor can just get you the card that will win you the game on the spot. Right, so, exactly. And Tooth and Nail might be equally powerful. Who knows? Um, so that's two. Jeez. Biorhythms probably... Yeah, it doesn't. It's not scary. What about Coalition Victory? <laughs> that's another one that honestly, like, I like that card. I yeah. mean, it takes a lot of setup. Yeah, I don't. I really don't understand why it's banned. Those. Okay, so I, the, we we've cheated a little, but we'll say those four. Let's see how we wait, did. Wait, wait. What about prime time? Let's unban prime time. No, no. Not, <laughs> prime time needs to stay banned. Let's unban uh, old Emrakul. <laughs> All right, let's look here. All right. Oh, they're in sleeves. They're in ultra pro sleeves. So I've got the bands first. Okay. Here we go. Yep. So number one, we called it, is Cyclonic Rift. Ah, very nice. Yeah, it had five votes. So five of our responders thought that it is the card that should be banned. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's hear their reasonings as to why. Hey everyone, this is Jeremy Knoll with the Commanderverse series on Star City Games. The next question is, if you could ban or unban any cards, what would they be and why? As far as ban cards, um, I think Cyclonic Rift is probably the biggest one that a lot of people would say. Uh, It just basically makes it so that the game is more one-sided. It's not quite as bad as Upheaval because it doesn't hit uh, lands, but... You know, it basically makes everybody have to completely reset the game. Um, The person who casts the Cyclonic Rift can go through and continue having to, like, their entire board and could uh, easily start taking over the game. So I think that's the one that would be at the top of the list for me. Hi, I'm Graham. And I'm Kathleen. From Loading Ready Run. And the question is, if you could ban or unban any card in Commander, what would it be? All board wipes. I think that's a bit excessive. What about just Cyclonic Rift? But I play Cyclonic Rift. Yeah. That's a fair point. Ban Cyclonic Rift. Hello, fellow Commander aficionados. My name is Ryan, and my colleagues and I run the YouTube channel Playing With Power MTG. If there was one card we would add to the ban list, it would be Cyclonic Rift. We love this card, and we play it in our decks as well, but it is too one-sided and it disrupts the entire game. A one-sided, instant speed board wipe is too much of a power swing. For context, Upheaval is a sorcery, costs 6, and is a symmetrical board wipe, and is on the banned list. Yes, Cyclonic Rift doesn't hit lands, but it does, for all intents and purposes, what Upheaval does for your opponents only. All right, and not really surprising. We, we predicted, we thought a lot of people would say that. It is a very powerful card, and it's in a lot of decks. Yeah, and I like that. It's just true. Upheaval is banned. Cyclonic Rift is very similar, minus the lands part, but it is enough sometimes to just take someone out of the game entirely, especially if they're really ramp-based. Yeah, it definitely can win the game. All right, you ready for number two? Yes. Okay, number two is, well, it's two cards. 
they're kind of related though, and okay. we did talk about them. It is Soul Ring and Mana Crypt. Hey, they tied. Both, yeah, they both got four votes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So let's hear from some of the people. I mean, we're not surprised by this, right? We no. called it. Yeah. Let's hear from some of the people and their reasoning why they think those sh- those cards should be banned. Hello, my name's Kobe Doe. And I'm Chris Van Meter. We're from Card Kingdom. And we have some answers for you. I hate Soul Ring and I hate Mana Crypt. I think both of those <laughs> cards should go. There are so many games of Commander that are just not games because one player has them and the other player doesn't. In fact, I think that if the London Mulligan were to be implemented, uh, I would really, really like to see Soul Ring and Mana Crypt go because it would be very easy to try and mulligan to them. You get your free mulligan and then you get to draw seven cards and look for it, put one on the bottom. I would certainly take a six card hand with a Soul Ring over literally any seven card hand in my entire deck. In fact, my commander that I play is uh, Athreos. Uh, it's a white black aristocrat style deck, lots of colored mana pips, and I still have Soul Ring and Mana Crypt in my deck because if I don't have it and my opponent does, I'm just dead in the water. Greetings, Commander Luminaries. I am Ben, or Benjineering, as I'm known on the internet. Hey, I'm Serge. You might know us from Loading Ready Run, shows like Friday Nights, or our Twitch channels. Uh, we were asked the question, if you could ban or unban any card in Commander, what would it be and why? Soul Ring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, real talk though, the Moxen are banned. And if you ignore the price, you have to ignore the price, and you compare what they do, they both enable really fast starts. Yeah, and fast starts are kind of this weird double-edged sword. While they do feel good, it doesn't feel good to be the only person at the board who doesn't have that soul. Yeah, they're three turns ahead of you. Yeah, the amount of times uh, in a mono-red Dreddy deck that I have played a mountain into a soul ring and turned that soul ring into a mind stone and have four mana on turn one is... Ridiculous. It happens all the time, and yeah. it, it doesn't feel good for everybody at the table. The other problem is, Commander sort of turned into a format where you, you tell your friend, you're like, bring your Commander, bring 98 cards, and bring your Sol Ring. Like, that's not healthy for a metagame. Yeah, when you see the same card in literally every single deck, I think it's worth watching, and maybe there's a reason for that, and it might not be a healthy reason. Yeah, if you're going to do Sol Ring, you should probably also... Also look at Mana Crypt. I, I kind of see them as the same card. Hi, my name is Alex Kessler. I am the co-host of the Masters of Modern podcast. If I could uh, ban a card, it would probably be Mana Crypt. Um, I think it breaks, like, it, it, it's a mox that is more powerful, generally. Obviously, it doesn't fix colors, but two mana, that uh, has a track keeping. Like, a, you have to keep track of the life loss every turn, and it's very easy to forget. And people often forget, especially in long games. So there's, like, a level of cheating associated with its down cost. Uh, and then on top of that, it has the Mox problem of it's very expensive. This is one of the most expensive cards available in the format. So even though it's um, objectively correct almost always to be playing this card in your deck, the incentive of being able to do that is based on how much money you're able to afford. It's not, not like Soul Ring that also is possibly too powerful, um, creating unpaid gameplays where someone has that early. But everyone can own a Soul Ring, so at least at that point, everyone has access to that advantage. Um, the last piece is that it... You know, it, it breaks the fundamental, like whenever something requires a life payment in this kind of way, Commander puts a real focus on, is yeah. this unfair? Let's hear from some of the people and their reasoning why they think those, those cards think should be banned. It, it, in general, is just a net negative for the format. All right. All right. Well, I, I again, I like listening to Alex's, uh, as someone that plays modern, it, it's interesting to hear their their ideas on the format too because they come from a much more competitive play style. It's almost like listening to the CDH people. They have a different perspective and it's nice to get that color as well. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go on to number three here. And this is one we also mentioned, but I think it's a little bit of a surprise. Or, okay. Or you might be surprised. Number three is Iona. Really? Yeah. 
people really know. don't like playing against that card. Yeah, I guess so. How many people? Three. All right, that's a few people. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, a number of people mentioned multiple cards, so it's tough to really get any statistical value from right. that, but still. But that makes sense. I mean, uh, that card has led to probably some of the most biggest feel bads i've ever seen at a table yeah, it's definitely a card that when it affects you it sucks yeah and yeah. when it doesn't affect you you were like thank goodness it didn't affect me yeah so well let's hear from some of the people who thought iona should be banned i'm shivan putt co-host of the commander and podcast and member of the commander advisory group the card i most want to ban is iona there's nothing worse than sitting down at a table with a deck and finding yourself locked out of the game entirely Iona just leads to bad play patterns and cuts out an entire class of deck. It's not a fun card, and I don't think it should be in the format. Hello, everyone. It's Ashlyn Rose, your Eldrazi overlord and MTG cosplayer. Uh, if I had to pick a card to ban, it would probably be Iona, just because she ends the game for someone uh, as soon as she comes out, essentially. Like, you basically are telling a player they can't play Commander anymore unless, like, they're running a multicolored deck. But, like, for a monocolored Commander, that that's game over. And, well, sure, she costs a lot, and, you know, it's it's not, like, some crazy combo. It's still something that's just not fun to interact with, and it, it's, I don't know, it just feels bad, and if it's against the spirit of Commander, I don't think it should be playable in Commander. A lot like Leovold, where... You know, it, it just got out of control. It wasn't fun to play with. And I would say that's the same for Iona. Sure, there's things like Cyclonic Rift, which I personally don't like, as well as like Paradox Engine. But those things, like, I feel like you have a little bit more control over how you use them. Like with a Cyclonic Rift, you can use it early. You can um, cast it in ways that aren't necessarily just to win the game. And that could kind of be said for Paradox Engine as well. It's it's a card where you can choose to abuse it and make it more powerful. Whereas Iona, is, this is just what she does, and what she does is not fun and not part of Commander. All right, so some very good points made by everybody. There mm -hmm. was a bunch of other cards that were probably mentioned in there, but we're just going to talk about the top three. I guess Cyclonic Rift has to go now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the decision. I mean, one thing is... There wasn't an overwhelming, nobody, there wasn't 20 people that said right. one card, right? I, I think most people as well are on the side of let's not ban things that we don't absolutely have to, but Cyclonic Rift has led the pack in that regard. Well, speaking of which, I've been on the let's unban things mm -hmm. ban wagon. And, <laughs> banned wagon. Uh, the unbanned wagon. The unbanned, let's get on the unbanned wagon here. So... <laughs> That's another shirt. You can't right write there. this stuff. Yeah. I know. <laughs> that was <All> right. amazing. <laughs> um, so let's look at the number one card. It had five votes oh. from the field. So equivalent to Cyclonic Rift, but in the inverse. Mm -hmm. You call it, Jimmy. It's Coalition Victory. Really? Yep. That is wow. the card that the luminaries the most thought should be unbanned. All right. Let's go five color. Let's hear from some of those luminaries as to why they agree with me. Hello, fellow Commander aficionados. My name is Ryan, and my colleagues and I run the YouTube channel Playing With Power MTG. As far as unbans go, we feel that Coalition Victory should come off the ban list because of the requirements needed to cast it successfully and win the game. It is not a broken card, nor is it super easy to achieve. Good afternoon, good evening, and good game, Commander players. I'm Joey. I'm Matt. And I'm Dana. And we're here from the EDH Rec cast, where we like to give all that data on EDH Rec a little more context. Seriously, if we had to unban a card, I would like to see Coalition Victory unbanned. 
uh, it always seemed a little unnecessary. There's so many hoops that you have to jump through. There's quite a bit of effort to actually win with an eight mana sorcery that takes all five colors to, to win with. Um, yes, it does happen right away, but I think there's more degenerate win conditions out there that are determinate right away, like Teferi stacks decks and stasis and all that unfun stuff, whereas Coalition Victory, you can see it coming for the most part, uh, and it's probably one of the least unfun ways to win a game. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, like this card could totally be unbanned. Just from a power level perspective, yeah. it's not, it's nothing, right? I'd love to play it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so let's go on to number two here. Okay. Another card we did talk about. Very it's nice. Biorhythm. Oh, With okay. four votes. So that's pretty close to Coalition Victory yeah. then. And and you're right, I didn't even think about it originally, but this does not seem like an offensive card in the format, really. No, not at all. But let's hear from some of the dignitaries and why they believe it should be legal again in the format. Hello, everyone. My name is DJ from the Jumbo Commander YouTube channel. I don't think that there are any cards that we should ban, but there are definitely some that I think we should unban. I think we should unban Biorhythm, Coalition Victory, Painter Servant, Worldfire, Sway the Stars, Sundering Titan, and Gifts Ungiven. That seems like a pretty big list, but most of these cards honestly won't see any play. They cost too much mana, they really do have really, really big effects, but we have land destruction and big splashy effects anyways. Obliterate is allowed in our format. Same thing with more efficient land destruction like Armageddon. We have other cards that just win the game out of nowhere and powerful combos. Yep, all good points made. I agree. I think both the cards mentioned should be unbanned. Yeah, they're feeling the rhythm. They're <laughs> they're in it. Feel the rhythm. That's all I wanted to say. What's the next card? <laughs> all right. The third card, it's actually a tie. There's oh. a three-way tie, and Whoa. they all got three votes. Well, okay. Well, this is, by the way, there are a lot more people that are agreeing on unbans than, than, than there bans. were for bans. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, Gifts Ungiven, okay. which we did mention, and two cards we didn't. Recurring Nightmare. Oh, right. Which is, I think... A little bit sketchier than the other cards mentioned so far because yeah. of the broken stuff you could do, but I like unbanned, so I'm, I'm with it. Okay. This last one is a pet card of mine that I really would like to see unbanned because I think the amount of shenanigans, the amount of cool stuff you'd be able to do. <laughs> uh, cool stuff. To, shenanigans implies it could be anything. Why did they name cool. a card shenanigans? <laughs> um, anyway, the card is Painter Servant. Oh, yeah. Think yeah. of how cool it would be if it was, like, Illegal. so many cool things you could do. How many, I would say, like, at least 70% of the time I'm building a deck, I look at Painter's Servant yeah, and I'm go, like, uh, if wish. only. I just, I wish. Please. Yeah. <sighs> uh, all right, well, let's hear from some of the people that wanted these three cards unbanned. They weren't all the same people, necessarily. Yeah, yeah. The card that I actually think I would play with on this list is maybe Painter Servant, uh, but most importantly is Gifts Ungiven. I love cards like Factor Fiction or Guided Passage, and the idea of the politics of getting a pile going into your graveyard and into your hand with Gifts Ungiven sounds really fun and surprisingly powerful. All right, if you could unban a card, which card and why? I think Reoccurring Nightmare, like I like playing Aristocrat strategies, and while the card is very, very strong, I don't think it's so busted that it needs to be banned. Yeah. What about you? I don't ban Fast Bond. Wait, what? As far as cards to unban, I would want a free Painter Servant. Yes, it can be abused by Grindstone, but so what? It opens up a lot of weird Johnny spaces to play around in, and frankly, a card with art as beautiful as the inventor's version of Painter Servant really should be played, not just stored in a binder. Yeah, once in a while someone will grindstone you out, but think of all the other weirdo things you could be doing with that card instead. All right, so I not like bad. all that stuff. I like all those perspectives. It's interesting. I don't think any of it's 
crazy nutso. I mean, Iona no. is the one that sticks out to me as like, listen, I get it. It feels bad, but that card on a power level is not bannable, I don't think. No, I don't think so. I, I mean, can we unban Worldfire while we're at it? I, I mean, I think Painter's Servant is probably the only one on that last list that still, even though I really want to put it in decks, makes me go, oh, but the things that could happen might be a little too crazy. I mean, a recurring nightmare is on the edge of like, there are broken things you can do with it and they're right. known, but you don't have to do those things. Mm-hmm. And Painter's Servant, yeah, you're right. It falls into a similar category. Yeah, Worldfire, I, mean, I think, totally can come off. It costs so much mana. Anything that costs that amount of mana, it's like, if it's... It's tooth and nail, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a ton of mana. It could, it could just win you the game on the spot. Not as much as tooth and nail can in some cases, but so it goes. We do have uh, another interesting comment or idea from our good friend, the professor. He wasn't necessarily talking about any specific cards, but he thought that there could be a better way to sort of handle bands or or well. Let's hear from him. And let's hear what he has to say. I actually think that there might be a, a a call for a list which i would appreciate from the rules committee of watch list cards which aren't banned but which are typically not a lot of fun you know winter orb things like that where it's like hey if you're putting these cards in your deck then you might be leading to unfun gameplay i don't want to do that and i'm very competitive even in commander i want to win but i don't want to win after 10 hours of having tangle wire and smoke stack and winter orb on the field unless that's somehow getting me towards a win condition which it seldom is so as for bans or unbans i really trust uh the rules committee as far as that's concerned and i don't have any personal favorites there i'd love to see an expansion into a hey these are cards that typically lead to problematic game experiences they're not officially banned but you might consider not running them well that's interesting because it's kind of similar to what you're on right the cag has an aspect of that which is a little bit get more eyes on the problem and see if we as a group can it can at least address them yeah, I think Sheldon and the Rules Committee has addressed this a little bit in the past, that there are problems with having a watch list because the fact that there's cards on the watch list right. creates a reaction that isn't what a watch list would be. Like these, oh, interesting. You, you know what I mean? Like people yeah. just uh, start making assumptions about it that aren't necessarily true, and that doesn't... Now do you need a watch list for the watch list kind of... You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Who watches the watchman? Yeah, yeah, who watches the watch list? <laughs> but does that make sense? Where like... Yeah, you're right. You start going like how many levels deep because it doesn't actually cause it, it just pushes the problem right. in a different direction but the problem's still there which is that it's hard to have that kind of transparency and not cause a lot of issues with the with the community because mm-hmm. you know if all of a sudden let's say tomorrow paradox engine showed up on the watch list what's the reaction of people right it doesn't need to get banned it's crazy or, you, you gotta sell it now and you yeah, gotta like get yeah. it out of your You're deck actually influencing the market at that point if for something that is like it it what does the watch list mean then at that point? That, right. Because we're watching it, but it's never going to go on the ban list maybe. Uh-huh. So I think there are a lot of issues with having something like that as good intention as that idea is. Maybe what that watch list is is just this kind of podcast. Then. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe the, the discussion that will continue online will serve as that without causing panic. Well, and I guarantee that this type of you know eyes on certain issues and things will be something that the commander advisory group and the rules committee they, they do look at it they do see that stuff they will in our discords when we're talking about things refer to mm-hmm. the um, you know just the general chatter on twitter or you know comments uh you know on high profile things that generate a lot of a 
quote unquote data for them, data right. being like feedback from the community. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this was a community created format in the first place. So of course, the feedback from the community as well is going to be important. Yeah. So that's a good sign to all of you out there that in the comment section for this video or on Twitter or whatever, you know, you can make your voices heard. And I guarantee people will be looking through just to see, yeah. you know, what people think, do they agree, do they disagree, which way the wind is blowing, that kind of thing. Certainly. Okay, we have one more big question coming up, and it's about what people would change to the rules of the format. Very, very interesting discussion. But before we get there, we're going to get some mid-roll break ads from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, and we're back. We are finishing up our Commander Summit for 2019. We put an open-ended question out there to everybody, and it was, if you could change one thing regarding the rules in Commander, what would it be and why? Yeah. And this was just kind of a, what cool ideas do people have or what crazy ideas do people have? And honestly, there are some really cool ones that came up. Yeah, and there were so many answers and they're so very different. We couldn't like compile them together. So we're just gonna go one by one let the players and the luminaries speak for themselves. And then we'll talk about that as well and whether we agree, disagree, or maybe don't even have an opinion about it. All right, so let's kick things off with Alex Kessler from the Masters of Modern podcast. I could add any rule or change any rule in the commander format as it is now. It would probably be to get rid of, uh, not get rid of commander damage, but to unify it into one number. So I'd probably raise it, I think 21 if you're making it so all commanders count is too low, but I would make it so that if someone takes damage from any commander uh, equal to 31 or more, whatever number people come to, then you lose. Um, that kind of keeps the sense of the commanders are special types of damage. It lowers the record keeping. I now don't need to keep track of three different players' commander damage. I can just keep track of one specific number beyond my life total. And, but it keeps the the kind of the counterweight to life gain, and it makes it so that, you know, aggressive commanders and or commander damage-based win conditions kill, can still exist in the format while getting rid of the record keeping nightmare that currently commander damage is. I really like this idea. It makes commander damage a thing. It makes it realistic, I feel like. I think it would make it matter without getting rid of it because mm -hmm. you know me, I've been a slight champion of just getting rid of it in the past because I do believe that's a complicated thing that a lot of people misunderstand needlessly. Like, it just rarely comes up in games. Yeah, and we have an app that has to, you know, now has to track three different players attacking you for different amounts of damage. You need more dice if you're doing it at the table. If somebody steals a commander, it gets all crazy. People have asked so many questions about this over the past if four years. If somebody has partner commanders, nobody knows what happens. Like, right. it gets crazy. It's really hard to 
understand it. I like this idea of like just unify it. Mm-hmm. Jimmy's commander, my commander, we both hit Mel. Those add together. Yeah, it's almost like infect, right? Yeah. If you get infect from different sources, it still adds up to the same total that kills you. And honestly, how often would that come up? It would. It wouldn't. I don't think it would come up a lot more often, but it would allow for some plays where like, oh, we can put pressure on a player yeah. in a weird way by teaming up. Well, also, I feel like it's a great way to break through maybe someone's different kind of lock sometimes. Yeah. And at the very least, allows for more play and politicking at the table. So I could, there are a lot of upsides to this. I, I honestly can't think of that many downsides. That's what I was going to say. It doesn't feel like it would then suddenly make commander damage a broken thing in any way. Yeah. So, and it, and it, you know, a lot of people, they get mad when I say we should take away commander damage because, and, and I think there's a good argument you know, it gets rid of the Voltron strategy. So mm-hmm. do we really want to get rid of an archetype? And you know what? That's a valid argument. And no, I don't. But this wouldn't. The Voltron strategy would still be around and a little bit stronger than they are now. And I think Voltron is a is a popular enough strategy, especially for people on that have just entered the format and just want a way to win that isn't like some crazy shenanigans combo shenanigans in their deck. <laughs> and I think making Voltron viable again makes the format more diverse as well. And it finally... because. I don't tell. I don't know how many times someone hits you. It's like, and that's gonna be seven commander damage. And in my head, I go, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I will keep track of it, but it's yeah, not going it's to matter. Like, it's just the dice that might get knocked over at some point. It will never become relevant again. Like that is, I would say, ninety-five, ninety-six percent of the case. But if this changes, then all of a sudden people have to be like, mate, wait, 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 maybe I can't do that because you have a commander that could put me and over the you top. Ha- yeah, and, and the you two have of you too. together, yeah. I gotta be careful. Yeah. So, so uh, Kessler, I agree with him. Don't tell him I said that. Yeah. At the very least, let's test it out. All right, uh, next we're going to hear for, from Affinity for Commander, and they have some interesting ideas about how we should handle turn order mm-hmm. because I think maybe our stats episode showed that how advantageous it is to go early and how yeah. to maybe balance something like that out. Hello, everyone. My name is Martin. And my name is Alex. And we are Affinity for Commander. I would like the person who goes last in the game of VDH to draw two cards rather than one card. That way they get a slight momentary advantage and going last doesn't feel so terrible. Yeah, I like that as a, uh, a one-off boost. And they would have to discard the card anyway. There's no way you could keep the extra cards in your hand. Um, so it's more of a, I've gone last, I've seen the speed everyone else is at. I can sculpt my hand accordingly. I like that. Exactly. This is actually something that we've talked about a lot. I've, I've had a lot of people over the years even just be like, you're going last, just draw two. It's, it's a great idea. And honestly... A- it kind of reminds me of the Kessler thing where you're like, I yeah. don't think, would it make you want to go last in a game? No, but, still not. But, but it would, would make it, it fake, it would make it feel much better. It would make third place feel like poop. Yeah, that's actually a good point. <laughs> third place. If you're the third to go, it's bad. Yeah. You could, you'd only do Maybe this. Maybe to get a scry one. <laughs> you like slowly go up there. Yeah, you so now scry. second place feels like, ah. Uh. <laughs> second place gets to think about scrying. <laughs> Second place, second place like, dream of a card. <laughs> Hope you get that card. That's it. That's all the second place gets. That's actually, yeah, that's hilarious. It's true. It, it does create an imbalance between second and third, but going last does really affect the game that you play. Just straight up. Big, Big time. time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's interesting. Uh, I like thinking in that direction, whether or not that, that exact rule is the mm-hmm. right rule. And we may at some point want to look at balancing out, you know, the fact that the fourth player to go and specifically, the first player has a big advantage. Yeah, maybe the first player doesn't draw a card. That would that would sort of be the yeah. adverse of that, right? That seems if huge last player too, yeah. doesn't it doesn't draw two, and the first player doesn't draw one. I don't know. Yeah, that feels like too much. But yeah, I mean, I played a lot of board games over the years, and it's true. The person that goes last 
is usually disadvantaged in a in a non in a, in, a, in, a, in a significant way. And almost all those games will have some kind of disadvantage to the player that goes first. Yeah, because going first, just acting first in a turn based game, right, is is a big advantage. So yeah, interesting. Well, speaking of making games more fair, Shivam has some thoughts as well as to a way that we can sort of balance it out. So let's hear what he has to say. I would make it so that the monarch token starts in the middle of the game, and whoever gets a first attack would get to be the monarch. Monarch is such a phenomenal mechanic for multiplayer formats, and I honestly believe it should just be part of Commander by default. There's nothing wrong with having extra card draw, and it keeps the game flowing with combat and with interaction. Monarch is one of my favorite mechanics, and I just frankly think that more people should be using it. Well, you know I love this one. I do too. Yeah. As someone that plays a lot of red decks. (laughs) I've just been a proponent of Monarch being a really cool mechanic Mm -hmm. that I honestly wish had been in the format since the beginning. This idea of having something that you kind of need to grab early that gives you advantage. And by it's it's like the blinds in poker, I always say. Yeah. It stimulates action. One of the best ways to win a game of Commander is to be passive. Mm-hmm. And I don't think generally playing games passively is the most fun. No. So if there was a not. thing that caused you to want to do stuff and you got rewarded for it, I feel like that would be you know good for the format. And thank you, Conspiracy, for for bringing one dethrone in, right? Yep. But that, but then that's based around the mechanic that needs to be on a card, and then changing it to monarch. Yes, which is like, look, once it's in the game, it is in the game. So maybe we should start with it in the game. This also still kind of disadvantages the fourth place player because they're unable to <laughs> attack before the first place player does. If you did this, maybe you could absolutely say, hey, fourth place gets, gets monarch, two, get or gets two cards. Yeah. Now we're just changing the format so much. I know, right? If you look at each of these in a vacuum, though, I think that the Monarch thing would create awesome games. And and it is when it's involved in conspiracy-type games, Mm -hmm. I just always love that dynamic. Yeah, me too. I I think it's just one of those ways that, again, in the same way that maybe Alex Kessler's rule changed about unifying commander damage, it would just get more people to act and do things. Yeah. And those are the kind of games I think people enjoy in commander when people are turning cards sideways and tapping their mana, not being like, Drago. Drago, I have Counterspell. I will always have something to react to you because that is the spikier way of playing things and winning. So, And all of these rules so far, well, two of the three have had sort of an undercurrent of let's help out aggressive decks a little mm-hmm. bit. Monarch's good for aggressive decks. If you unify commander damage, I believe that would be to the advantage of aggressive decks that are trying to attack. Right now, our format has a problem where aggro decks just aren't really a thing. And in general, trying to win by attacking with creatures is not the greatest strategy. And it's, next we're going to hear from Cameron from the Lab Maniacs, and he has another rule idea that I think would help aggro out and open the door to maybe some aggro strategies being viable. Hello, fellow Commander players. I'm Cameron from the Lab Maniacs. If you could change one thing regarding the rules of the format, what would it be and why? It would probably change your starting life total to 30. And the really big thing is, in the competitive side of things, your life total is used more as a resource. And a lot of the format is based off of abusing your 40 life and trading that for mana or cards. And in a format where everybody is trying to go as fast as possible, reducing that additional life total makes a lot more of the exchanges that have been built in and balanced for 20 life more balanced 
for Commander. It would make combat a more viable option for competitive EDH and would open the door to several strategies that currently aren't viable. It would be a fun overall change. It would make games go faster. And it would be a decent improvement over some of the really stalled out games that you can run into. This is very interesting. Cameron and the Lab Maniacs, this is competitive EDH. And like you said, life is a resource. And now that you're reducing it, you're actually making the game harder on yourself, right? Well, you're making the game harder on what would currently be competitive style decks, right? Because that use life totals as an advantage. They're usually combo players. They're usually like, they don't care if they're at five life. And they're Mm -hmm. using the fact that they have 40 life to do things that normal magic doesn't allow you to do. Because you can't just like ignore everything that's happening for that amount of time, build up a bunch of mana and then go off. And Commander gives you a naturally padded life total that maybe makes that a little bit easier. That's 10 extra cards you can draw with Necropotence. Necropotence. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's also just like, if you get hit for 7, it's a huge difference if you start at 30 and you start right. at 40. you go to 23 instead of 33. Yeah. It's just a huge, it's nearly a quarter of your life total. To be honest, I don't really start caring about my life total until it drops under the 30 mark. Yeah, even then, below 20. But you're below 20 really fast if you start at 30. Yeah, this is a very interesting thing to think about. Um, and this could just, this is probably the easiest test of all of these. It's just be like, yeah, just set everyone to 30. Just imagine you're all playing with like a slight handicap this time around. How does that what change happens. what types of decks are good? How does that change how good the decks are? How does that change how fast games play out? Mm-hmm. I think all of it could be in the positive category. Like more decks are playable the traditionally combo control style decks are not as good mm-hmm. and games play out faster. Wouldn't that just be, isn't that a plus in each column? It seems that way. And, and you would think that the CEDH players would be the ones that would maybe be against this the most. But I think they're just like us. They want to see more diversity. They don't want to be like, hey, only combo style decks and stacks decks can win games. Yeah. Now here's yeah. the question. Does this get rid of anyone that wants to increase the infect damage total to kill you? Yeah, because now it's at 30. It's just I don't straight know. up at 30. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But yeah, again, very interesting conversations here by everyone. Um, Here's something interesting. We're talking about rules changes, and we did put out our questions to people on the rules committee. mm -hmm. So now we're going to hear from Gavin Duggan, who's on the rules committee, about a rules change to the format, sort of, that he would be interested in seeing happen. So if I was allowed to change one thing unilaterally uh, about the rules of the format... It would likely be the way that prizes and matchmaking are structured uh, in untrusted environments at Magic Fests uh, and things like that. I think a lot of the time tournament organizers assume that commander tournaments should be run or commander pods should be run the same way that other formats are. Just, you know, first four to sign up or any people or force people to play with random opponents in order to maximize the likelihood of the best player winning. We know that the best player winning isn't necessarily, isn't frequently what most people are looking for in a commander match or a commander pod. So I would really like to see tournament organizers take that into account, do matchmaking in a more intelligent way where they say, what are you looking for? Sign up for interactive games or do iterative rounds where if you have a certain style of game, certain style of deck, certain style of fun, you're paired with people who have the same tastes as you. I think Commander is more about taste than it is about competition, more about style and enjoyment than it is about um, 
maximizing the discriminative power of the game to determine who the best player at the table is. And there are ways of doing that. I just think we need to get away from the default. Yes. This is a great... I, I really, really like this one. Also, it doesn't destroy the format. <laughs> it doesn't change it really <laughs> it at all. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> um, I've been to a lot of GPs and Magic Fests, and I've seen the Commander events, and I... Every single time I do not choose to, one, because you must pay tickets to play or pay money to play them usually. I'd rather just play Commander with people and be able to say, hey, what's your power level? Let's do that. These events usually end up on the spikier side. And even then, sometimes it's on the spikier side that is far beyond what you have in terms of spikiness and power level. Well, and I think also we know what those are going to look like. And mm -hmm. so we know to avoid it. Yeah, there are plenty of people who don't know that and they because we get messaged all the time and people don't even really know how GPs and Magic Fest work. They don't know if they're totally. going to have to pay money to get in the door, which you don't, by the way, and things like that. Yeah. And those people are going up and going, oh, Commander event. Yeah, I want to play Commander. I'm going to sign up for that. And they don't know they're walking into this murderer's row of competitive <laughs> EDH because there are tickets on the line that you maybe could win. And so I do agree, like just having a little bit of structure to that to funnel people into the right area so that they get an experience that's going to make them go that was fun i want to do that again yeah and not oh wow i spent that much money to join an event and wait for it to be over in three turns yeah and i just felt like i had no chance and that wasn't fun at all yeah yeah for sure that's not the experience they're expecting if that is because there's a lot of players that are like no i want that experience i'm gonna go in with my urza deck and i'm gonna battle and see right. how it does and that's fine if they know that it's just you want to make sure the people that don't that think like i'm just gonna go have some fun like they do on game nights you don't want them walking in the competitive EDH scene and just getting hammered and being like, oh, well, this sucks. Yeah, and not to mention, like, I know for a fact that these are some of the least fired events yeah. At, yeah. at Magic Fest, and this would be a great way to increase that. And from a business perspective, of course you want people signing up for more events, especially, I mean, look, just if it's more casual, lower the price ticket payout. Make or it, flatten it. Or flatten it, or even just make it cheaper to enter anything yeah. and, and have people... Even fill out a tiny questionnaire, and, and and this takes a little more legwork, obviously, but I think it really, really would be worth it because there are so many Commander players now. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with Gavin there. All right, next we're going to hear from Austin and Adam from Commander Live on Twitch, and uh, they have... Something you agree with. Yeah, something about um, conceding and how we end games, kind of. Well, hello there, Command Zone fans. My name is Austin. And I'm Adam. And we're the brothers behind the weekly Commander gameplay series on Twitch, Commander Live. If we could change one thing regarding the rules of the format, what would it be and why? We would change the rules around conceding. And specifically, we would make it to where only you can only scoop at sorcery speed. When the rules for conceding were, were originally created, we believe it was for a 1v1 format. When someone concedes, they, you know, that's the end of the game. However, this is a social format. This is a four-player format primarily, and scooping at instant speed like you can today, we believe would put a lot of folks, you know, or could potentially put a lot of folks at a very serious disadvantage um, you know, for something out of their control. Absolutely. And, you know, some examples of this, you know, I've seen players scoop at instant speed uh, just to make somebody else at a disadvantage. You know, if somebody is attacking you and they have a bunch of lifelinkers and you know you're going to die, but you just concede anyway at instant speed to where they don't get the lifelink through and maybe can't zap you with an Aetherflux or something, um, you put that player at a serious disadvantage. And I've seen too many times uh, somebody scoop at instant speed kind of in a salty way. And so, you know, that kind of goes against kind of the the way that that we see Commander at Commander Live as a social fun format. And so we think that that can be fixed and remedied by being able to only scoop 
at sorcery speed. Another thumbs up from me. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this on the show. I think this absolutely is the way it should go. And a lot of times at the beginning of our Commander Nights, we don't say it anymore, but we used to like, hey, in this house, in the, at this place, yeah, we don't. you can only concede at sorcery speed. Yeah. yeah. You can't use it for a tactical advantage on your way out because one, it requires zero resources to do other than say, I concede. And it really just does kind of mess someone up sometimes unfairly, I think. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm going to deny you the lifelink or I'm going to deny you whatever advantage you'll get. That's yeah. that. Yeah, to me, that's just not fair at all. Totally fine in 1v1 because that's the only opponent you have. Right, it's over now. Game. And they yeah, the game is over. We're going to play another <laughs> one or whatever. But yeah, definitely agree with them here. In general, just... It's, I don't know, it's like edge shooting, right? Was it or a it's corner scummy. case? Yeah, it's a little scummy, and it's just not really in the spirit of the game. And as well, like, imagine being a new player and being like, oh, sweet, I'm going to gain 20 lifelink off of this. This is exactly like, I concede. Like, do I gain a life? Nope. No. Yeah, that's messed up. Yeah. That's messed up. Uh, next, we're going to hear from our good buddy, Andy Hole, who in, this is his fourth annual Commander's Brew. <laughs> Him and Phil are the only, well, I guess in us, that have True. been on all four. And he is talking about something, well, I hope we could figure out a way to make this happen. Me too. One thing, I, I bet this is probably going to come up a lot, uh, the uncards, unstable, silver border cards. Uh, I think I would introduce a small list of them uh, into the format. And I think it would only be the legends. Not all of them. Just the one, just the ones that like again, probably a committee of some kind. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's the official unmade rules committee. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe that that that's that's something I would look at. Um, just because there's some fun creatures in there that and some fun commanders that have some abilities that we don't see all the time, you know. So I I would definitely look at that because I think there's uh, some extra fun to be had there and. Uh, be, would be fine for the for the format it would not be rule breaking or anything uh that way and it would not be format breaking i think in the least just certain ones no it's, spike yeah but why not it's gosh every time it comes up i'm like yeah i want that how do you do it i don't know you had you would have to just test it extensively and have a group of people being like we already have a list that we think are going to work and we're just going to start but what putting do you them in do? decks. Do you just put a list of like, these are legal, like, yeah, would be banned, but are otherwise, but oh, are legal. Gosh. Like, how do you have... Because technically you're creating a giant ban list, right? What do, you, what do you even call that list? A not banned list? The unlist. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the unlist. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's the uncards you can play. But otherwise you're saying that these cards are now legal, which means that... Oh, you're saying all cards are legal and these ones are banned. And then all of a sudden you have this massive new ban list. I mean, technically, silver bordered cards aren't banned. They're just not legal. They're just not legal, It's right. such a weird but semantic thing, but it's legal, true. But legal, then the others are what? Still banned? illegal? Or are they banned? See, this is know. the problem you get into is how do you elegantly... Because the world, like, in the world exists a whole bunch of cool legendary creatures that would be totally fine and actually kind of create cool. a lot of awesome decks. Yeah. And right now, because we can't figure out a way to word things, right, basically? Yeah, way to word things, and, and maybe they haven't tested it enough, but yeah, there's a lot of different reasons why, but there's a lot of different reasons why we should have this be legal. Yeah, I really wish they could figure this out. It would be so sweet. And at the same time, uh, conspiracy cards, maybe make a few of those conspiracies legal, too? But yeah. they all have to do with, like, drafted stuff. How would they Not work? Not all of them. <laughs> I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Now we're in the slippery slope territory. I know. We're just... We're, sl <laughs> we're snowboarding down this one. We're going all the way down. Uh, okay, so... Those are the rule change questions that we're going to speak to here. However, we had a lot of 
answers and thoughts to a lot of the questions that we pose to the content creators that didn't fit into the earlier categories or yep. whatever. So, so what we decided is that right here, right now, after I'm done talking, we're going to have sort of a catch-all spot. So before we finish up, these are the stuff we'd like to show you that people said that just kind of didn't fit anywhere else. Hi guys, I'm Bill from the Spike Beaters, and I'm here to answer the question, uh, what cards would I ban or unban and why? Uh, I think I would definitely ban, and this is probably coming in the shock to some of you, uh, being a Flash Ball player, I would definitely ban Flash uh, if I had any say in it. Uh, I think that Flash is a card that has no moderate uses, uh, whereas Hulk does. Hulk can be a value engine where you get out six mana dorks or, you know, just random things. It can also be a combo piece that wins you the game. Flash is the the kerosene that gets you there. Like, it is the fire underneath Hulk that allows it to do the broken things that it does on turn zero. Uh, without Flash, uh, and Flash being able to enable, uh, like, Academy Rector, uh, early omnisciences and stuff like that, um, I think that the format is just as a whole better without it. Uh, it, it slows it down quite a bit and it doesn't really affect uh, the larger player base and it really really affects the competitive player base where it's just kind of a menace and nobody really likes it. Uh, I don't even like it and I like casting it so uh, I would definitely ban Flash. We are Commander Central. I'm Dana. I'm Max. I'm Chris. And we are on our way right now to Magic Best Madison. If there are any changes to the Commander rules that you can make, what would you make? If I had to choose, I would like to see a way for Commander players to deal with Planeswalker emblems. Yeah, so in the game, we get roughly five new Planeswalkers in every standard set, and War of the Spark introduced another 30 to the game. This is no longer an instance where you might see one or two in a Commander pod. You're going to see tons of them, and those those Elspeth emblems are just a pain to deal with, and if we can get figure out a way to deal with them, I think it'll make a game a way more interesting. And you don't need a lot of ways to deal with them, I don't think, but I think you need some way to deal with them, particularly because in addition to getting a bunch of new Planeswalkers, we just got a bunch of new proliferate effects that make it even easier to just play a Planeswalker and automatically roll it up to that emblem before anybody can do anything or even respond. Yes. So if there's just one or two really small, easy ways, and it probably has to be on a card, it can't necessarily be a rule change, but something has to happen to allow you to interact with those emblems once in a while. Agreed 100%. Yep, same here. Hi friends, it's Olivia Gilbert-Hicks. I am a cosplayer for Magic the Gathering and a Commander Evangelist. Uh, as far as the current rules surrounding hybrid mana, um, I think they should change. I would love to use so many hybrid mana creatures in specific decks, but I'm prohibited from doing so just because it has the wrong colors in it. I think that's kind of silly because this is the one place where it's not like that. And clearly if it's meant to be paid with either one, it should be able to be included. Uh, I, I really think that is a rule that can change and not hurt the format. This is Jake Boss with MTG Tonight. Uh, if I could change one thing about the commander rules, I would make it so you're allowed to put your commander face down in the command zone. Until it becomes relevant with an eminence ability or you cast it or something like that, it remains face down. And your opponents, while we're all ramping and going around the table and, you know, slowly deploying our nuts and bolts of our deck, um, it's fun to guess what other people are playing. It takes this part of the game that is normally mundane and boring uh, and turns it into something exciting and uh, where you're actually looking across the table instead of goldfishing on your own board. Uh, it, it's a really good time, even if this rule never becomes a thing because it's the most lukewarm of takes. Uh, give it a shot with your playgroup, Hidden Commander. 
Hey everyone, I'm Chesh from Command of the Gathering. I'm Caitlin. If we could ban or unban any cards, what would they be and why? Um, nothing really, but Grizzle Daddy? You know what, actually, let's, let's scrap the entire ban list and start from scratch. Let's go all the way back, because there's so much more powerful stuff now, like Paradox Engine. Yes, don't ban that one. Yeah, don't give me Garf. Don't give me Garf, it's really powerful. I know, I play it all the time, and I always feel gross for playing it. You make the rest it's of the fun. table sad. I make the table sad. Hello, Commander players. My name is Seth Cross of the Printer Magic Group. If I was to be on the Rules Committee and change one thing about the format, I think I would pick kind of a weird hill to die on, and I would actually change the idea of having off-color fetches in your deck. I appreciate it for the sense of efficiency. I'm a player that I like to play my decks as best as possible, so in that sense, like I understand the desire to want to do it. I just think that it, it kind of breaks or bends the the color identity rules which again are kind of a foundation of the format it's kind of what i like the most about commander so i i think i would change that rule if i had to change anything kyle here with the legendary creature podcast we're moving the other way towards bannings i think something that we don't see very often in commander probably because we lack the necessary data that's available with other formats is looking at those cards that dominate the format not necessarily in that they win the game but we just see them a lot. And looking at cards like that, something that we could use as an example would be Ristic Study. I like to think of Ristic Study as a fine cheese. When you've got it, it's delicious, you love it, you don't, wanna, you don't want it to end, but everybody else around you hates it because it just stinks. I think if we put something like that on the ban list, it can maybe age a little bit more and we'll appreciate it when we take it off the ban list later. Then again, maybe that's a bad example because there's a lot of other cards that could could fit into those same qualification. So, maybe not. I am Madame Najera, and I'm Victor Adamen. And we are two thirds of the Salty Commander podcast. If you could change one thing regarding the rules of the format, what would it be and why? Something we already do in our prayer group, with, which is playing with on commanders. Like oh yeah, on cards. On yeah. cards, and, and not like the really broken ones, yeah. with like with X or Grusilda and the cute fun yeah, ones. Yeah, cute fun ones. I, I played uh, Angelic Rocket yesterday because uh, I need a way to deal with with permanents in my Celestial. Yeah, it's like the Ors of Angel. Yeah. Like just it's fine. Just yeah, it's it's like an honorable like agreement. On commanders. On Manders 2. Let's go! Let's go! Let's <laughs> Hello, Command Zone. Hello, distinguished guests of Command Zone. I'm Tappy Toeclaws, and I'm a dinosaur from the internet. I also occasionally just want to watch the world burn. If I could change one rule about Commander and this format, I would say that everyone has to have a uh, very precariously placed beverage near their expensive cards. Also, no one can double sleeve. We live dangerously here. I think it would make things more interesting. See what people play with if there's just, you know, an open pitcher of something on the table while you're playing. Hey everybody, it's Jim from the Spike Feeders. I'm here to answer the question today, if you could change one thing regarding the rules of the format, what would it be? I'm actually going to take a slightly different attack on this one. I, I really wouldn't change a whole lot about Commander. I love playing Commander the way that it is. If you were to really press me for a change, I might consider something like uh, uh, going to 30 life. 
that's something that I think could have some positive benefits to uh, aggro strategies. It weakens things like Ad Nauseam and Necropotence, which are probably on the extreme high end of the power level of the format. Uh, I think it, it just might have a good balancing effect. I don't think that it's necessarily something that needs to be done, but it's something that is probably worth exploring. All right. Thank you again to everyone that spent the time to record the video and get their thoughts down and send it over to us so that we can include it in this Commander Summit. This is the first time we've done a summit like this. And I, I mean, over 30 voices from different shows, podcasts, uh, the Rules Committee, the, the Commander Advisory Group. It was great having everyone on. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time and really putting together well-thought-out responses and answers to everything that we asked. Hopefully, we can do this again in the future. I think that our format has grown to the point where it, to have a true summit, it takes more than me and you across and, the table yeah, from a couple from people anymore. Yeah, to be in L.A. at the time, which yeah. is really kind of how it worked yeah. the past, there's, right? There's too many great opini opinions and perspectives out there, and so I kind of feel like it's our duty to get everybody's as many thoughts out there and perspectives as we can. So. And I learned a lot, too. A lot of these points that were made, I was like, never thought of that. Great point. Yep. Yeah. Pretty awesome. So, to the listeners, what cards would you like to unban, un I'll start with, or ban? Or ban. Or, and why? What uh, rules change would you make to the format? Do you agree or disagree with any of the bans and unbans or rules changes that were proposed by our commander dignitaries here today? Yeah, and what I want to know, I'm, there's going to be so many diverse opinions and voices out there. So please make sure to comment on the video as well as tweet at us. Get at us on our Discord if you're a Patreon member. And just let us know what you think. All right, now it's time for us to call out our sponsors. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. If you use that affiliate link when you order your magic product, your singles, anything at all, you're supporting this show. You're helping pay for our editors who are going to be working very hard to put together all these clips, organize them. Footage. Yeah, I'm there's a lot, of, a lot of audio too. We're, yeah. we're going to have to have a talk, dignitaries, about how to record some audio in the future. <laughs> <laughs> it is tough when you get so many pieces of video. They're going to be different formats, different Format codecs. sizes, resolutions, yeah. everything. Yeah, Frame rates, all kinds of stuff. And so getting a handle and wrangling all that is a lot of work. And honestly, the people that support us on Patreon and do things like use our Card Kingdom link. affiliate link, they make that possible. Yeah, totally. As well as Ultra Pro. Sponsoring the show, giving us awesome playmats that we get to adorn our lovely play surfaces with, as well as become mouse pads for the furious clicking that we need to do when it comes to editing these kinds of episodes. All right, so big now, thanks. Uh, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I don't know. Do you have something, Josh? Uh, yeah, actually. I just started watching Chernobyl. Have you watched it? I've seen a couple of episodes, and it is good. It's really, really good. Yeah, I was like, nothing can take up Game of Thrones even after that awful season. And Chernobyl just was like, whoop, here I am. I mean, the problem is it can't go for eight seasons, right? Like, <laughs> you know what else happens? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's a mini series, and it's very well done. And it's the on HBO, great. by the way. The writing's great. Do you know that the writer, Craig Mazin, was the writer of, like, the Hangover movies? Really? <laughs> yeah, like, you would never think that, right? I mean, those movies feel like they don't even have a script. I mean, he's definitely, like, a comedy writer. In wow. fact, Craig Mazin, here's a, you get two end steps today, because Craig Mazin uh, does a podcast with a guy named um, John August, who was the writer of Big Fish and a bunch of other stuff, uh -huh. Go and some other things. And they have a podcast about screenwriting. No way. Yeah, it's called Script Notes, I believe. Oh. And so, anyway, cool. there you go. Chernobyl, though, getting back to that, 
if you haven't seen it, it's an HBO miniseries, and it's about, as you would think, the nuclear disaster. At Chernobyl. It, yeah, in the a Ukraine of, in the 80s. A lot of people might 80s. not know, actually, that Chernobyl happened. It, it is right at that point in history where it's just sort of a name. People might be like, oh, I've heard of a video game called Chernobyl. Yeah. There's it's, a drink at my local pub called Chernobyl. You know? And it was during the Cold War, so if you reside in the West, it was hard to get information behind the Iron Curtain at that time. Right. I remember reading some things, and maybe this was in the miniseries too, I don't remember, um, where like we kind of found out about it by like radi- radiation readings. Mm-hmm. We're like weird all the way in the United States, and they're like, something happened somewhere. Yeah. And that was kind of the way they started to put the pieces together. So Yeah, it's, it's crazy. A, it's crazy and a really good show really well written so i guess you get three steps today i'm wearing a t-shirt that says yesterday on it oh, it's yeah. a new movie by danny boyle and it's basically the story is what would happen if you woke up one day and every single beatles song just didn't exist in the you collective, were the only one that remembered you were the, the beatles the only person that remembered the beatles and it's about that person who's a musician and it's danny boyle you know he did uh, slumdog millionaire he's done train spotting he's done a lot of great movies and this one is also very excellent you seen it yeah I have not checked it's out, but the trailer looks Friday. sweet. Yeah, the trailer looks sweet. The movie's great. It's a great movie to bring friends to. Honestly, just I, I, I forgot who said this, but any movie that's like a music biopic or has... It was you saying it, right? No, but I agree. It's just, it's just cheating. <laughs> it's just... You, you're gonna if you're going to get... play Beatles music for two hours, then I'm probably going to like yeah, it. Yeah, right? Like, I like Queen. Yeah, I like the Queen movie. I love those songs. Yeah. Every time it came on, I was like, oh, yeah, it's a good one. How'd they get the rights to that? Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. I'm excited to check out yesterday because it, it looks pretty sweet. It is cool. Something else you should be checking out is the Masters of Modern Podcast. You heard some very well thought out ideas and thoughts from Alex Kessler mm-hmm. during this episode. And he's one of the hosts of the Masters of Modern along with his buddy Ben Bateman. Except they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic on their show. And definitely modern has just been growing and growing and growing. And if you're getting into that format, those guys know their stuff. Yep. You can check them out at collected.company right next to us. You can also type in Masters of Modern to your search bar on YouTube. They're doing videos now. Or you can find them right next to us at collected.company. Did I already say that? I think so. Yes, I said that twice. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast. There it is. That was the last point and I wanted to say. you can't find them on Instagram. No. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think Ben has an Instagram. Well, I think Alex is too, but you can't. There's no, like, Masters of Modern. Right, right. You can also just go to iTunes or Stitcher and type in Masters of Modern and find them that way too. That's a good point. All right, and, of course, the living backgrounds behind us. Big shout-out to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the animations, as well as our editors on the show, of which there are many now, thanks to our Patreon support, as well as you all using the CardKingdom.com link. So we got Ashlyn, we got Murph, Murph we got Terry. All names that you're very familiar with, Jimmy right? will probably be helping to edit on, on these two episodes because no, there are a lot of work. Go through. Well, also, yeah. I, I sat and watched the footage, so I have, like, I'm like, I know what it is. And yeah, you know where all the yeah. bodies are buried, as we say. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's what we say. <laughs> and Jeffrey Palmer is at Living Cards MTG. You can find those animations in uh, the front and end of all of our episodes, and you can find him on Twitter at Living Cards MTG. All right, everybody, this wraps up the Commander Summit 2019. <laughs> However, stay tuned after the our like end title sequence because the spiciest take of all that's where that's going to be <laughs> very spicy not even kidding thank you for your attention for further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator.
Greetings, humans. <laughs> Greetings, Commander Luminaries. I am Ben. And I'm Serge. You might know us from Loading Ready Run, shows like Friday Nights and our Twitch channels. Now, since we are Loading Ready Run, we're known to do things a little bit silly, so here is our answer with chili peppers. Yeah, and the question that we received was, what do you think of the current hybrid mana rules? Should they change or remain the same? I got two words for you. Kitchen thinks. That's spicy. Oh yeah, no, it kicks in. Go ahead, answer the question. Even if I win a game of Commander, <laughs> I'm probably disqualified because the number of times I've played Kitchen Finks. Yes, yeah, I, <sighs> Kitchen Finks is no joke when it comes to Serge's decks. He puts it in everything, and I think, yeah, even if you won, you'd be disqualified. Look, I've been a judge for a number of years, <laughs> and I think color identity is dumb. I don't think it's approachable. You just want to play cards. <laughs> look, let's look at Alicia. Red legendary creature, but with a white black ability. What color is it? She's, she's Mardu. You can't drink water, that's cheating. But it doesn't make sense. Well, it kind of does, but in the rules text of extort cards, you have Orzhov mana, but you can put it in a mono black deck and it's totally fine. Look, I get the idea of theming. Huh. I get that you want your deck to have an idea, but I don't think it's accessible to new players. My tongue is on fire. Like, let people play cards that they can cast. If I can cast it for white, white, let me play it. It opens up new roads for monocolored decks to do things maybe outside of their color range that they would normally not be able to do in, in things. Just let the man play Kitchen Finks. Yeah, let people play the magic they want to play. Change the rule. <laughs> Hopefully that changed your mind. Uh. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. <laughs> 